0: I'm Jen Zobel. I'm Katrin Redfern. I'm Matt Fiddler. And I'm Ann Poston. And welcome to the first episode of Play for Voices. 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 We're the four Play for Voices producers, and our podcast features classic and contemporary radio plays from around the world. Radio drama is a vibrant global art form known for pushing aesthetic and often political boundaries. It's our mission to bring some of the world's most compelling, entertaining, and thought-provoking radio plays to you in new productions. We'll also provide further context through interviews with authors, translators, and other interesting people. Our first production, which we're serializing in two parts, is a new play from Romania entitled I Regret Nothing. Its author, Cebusek lives in Transylvania and writes primarily in Hungarian, but he wrote this play in English. You'll hear more about that in an interview with him at the end of the episode. I Regret Nothing is a three-character play set in an unnamed Transylvanian city circa 2006. Its protagonist, Dominic Kormos, is a retired agent of the Securitate, the notorious secret police agency of communist Romania. In the opening scene, Dominic is visited by Alex Dima, one of his former Securitate subordinates who is now a high-ranking agent in the Romanian Intelligence Service, or SRI. The play's third character, who enters in the second scene, is Dominic's 16-year-old neighbor, Liza. And now, the first part of I Regret Nothing.
1: The Department of Public Prosecution at the Romanian Supreme Court has charged an ex-communist cadre with crimes against humanity. 89-year-old Alexandru Vidraru, former commander of the notorious Rimnikusrat prison, allegedly tortured at least 138 political prisoners in the 1960s. More than 12 inmates are said to have died at his hands. Mr. Vidraru's whereabouts have been discovered by an investigative journalist at the Gindul daily newspaper. The former commandant lives in Bucharest and receives a special pension of more than 6,000 Romanian lei, that is seven times the minimum wage. It is estimated that at least one million Romanians became political prisoners during the communist dictatorship as the country's government strove to crush dissent.
2: In camera, uh-huh. și <laughs> Knock
3: on your coffin lid from the inside, you. I know you're in there. Oh, no, but gave me away. I'm looking for Dominique Cormuche. Never heard of him. But the name on the door says Dominique uh, Cormuche. And the guy inside says, go to hell. I'm not buying anything and I'm not in the mood to find Jesus either.
2: But I'm not a... Should I come back later? I I can
3: come back later. I'll tell you what you can do. If you've brought me something, you can leave it by the door. If you have any questions, you can forget them. If you have any complaints, you can die. In fact, I'd suggest doing the latter, whatever reason you came for. But it's me, Colonel Kamosh. Alex! Who are you and what do you want from me? I'm Alex. I'm delighted for you. Don't you recognize me, Colonel? You say, Colonel, one more time. The next face you see will be the paramedics. Sorry, Colonel. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh. I'm Lieutenant Alex Dima. At your service, sir. Lieutenant Dima. Yes. The chicken. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> kind of shaking that nickname off. And to tell the truth, I'm, I'm not a lieutenant anymore either. You've shaken your rank off, too. No, I've. I'm a brigadier now. So you still work for them? Yeah, I mean, this Secret Service is not that Secret Service, as you know. Sure. Which division? Communications intelligence. Oh, phone surveillance. That, too. Almost everything related to communications. Besides communications through doors, I guess. Because you won't get a medal in that department. Well, I did my best. But I have to say, you are less welcoming than an abandoned orphanage, Mr. Cormos. Dominic. Dominic. Is this how you treat all your guests? Just the old comrades, I guess. And uh, what do you do with the rest? Shoot them? <laughs> I haven't had any guests since I moved here. Though Chief Inspector Preda did once visit me. Really? When was that? About six years ago. He's still a great man, is he? Yes. Greatest I've ever met. Do you two still keep in touch? <laughs> you came here to talk about Chief Inspector Preda. <laughs> no, no, not not really. I uh, I've been transferred here, you know. And I said to myself, since I'm in the same town with my old colleague, why don't I pay him a visit? I brought you something. What's this? A present. A mobile phone. What do I want with a mobile phone? Well, you could play backgammon with it. (laughs) Or you could, I don't know call somebody? I never call anybody. I hate phones. What about your daughter? I hate her, too. I mean, you could call her. Why should I call people I hate? You do what you like. Nobody's forcing you to call her. All right. Say I was forced to call everybody I hate. I'd probably call the mayor. I'd call the prime minister. I'd even call that bald cunt from Judas Priest, but I'd still draw the line at my daughter. Why? What happened? Did she refuse to have a Drink with you or something? Nah. I don't get mad about that anymore. No. She refused to taste the strawberry cake I baked for her graduation. How inappropriate of her. She said she was following a no-carb lifestyle. So I told her I was going to follow a no-daughter lifestyle. And I do. You haven't spoken to her since. What do you think? A whole fucking day it took me to bake that cake. Drink? No, thanks. What? I mean, what have you got? (laughs) Well, there's brandy. And brandy. And... Brandy! Then... Brandy, please, if you've got any. Mm. Cheers, Colonel. What did I tell you about coloneling me? Sorry, but, uh... (laughs) Officers are addressed by their title even after retirement. That's why I was coloneling you. Because you're still a colonel. And you're still a cretinous asshole. But did I go to your place, cretinous assholing you and chickening you in front of your neighbors? I didn't do that to you either. Because I'm not a cretinous asshole or a chicken. Because there are no neighbors around. How do you know? Walls have ears in apartment blocks like this. Now you're being paranoid. Am I? Aren't you watching TV? Haven't you seen what they're doing to Vidraru? I have. Dragging his name through the mud. Is that what an old man deserves? Well, he's not going to court for being old. It wasn't exactly in his job description to beat political prisoners to death, you know. Yes, but begging your pardon. But whose side are you on now? All I'm saying is he was no angel, you know? He hated classical music so much, he tortured Senator Koposu for years on end just because he looked like Beethoven. That wasn't why Caposu was tortured. It's what I heard. <laughs> Enemies of the system needed to be chastened. Dissidents needed to be re-educated. That was the real reason for the punishments. Looking like Beethoven was just an aggravating circumstance. Maybe, I don't know. Anyway, we did what needed to be done, right? Now they're condemning people for doing what needed to be done. All right. Some of the silly buggers died. That's how it was back then. But they could have avoided it, right? Did we force them to complain about everything and conspire against the system? Listen to Radio Free Europe? And curse Ceausescu? Tell jokes about him? No. We told them to shut the fuck up. Right? Right? We told them once, we told them twice, but they just wouldn't listen, right? If you can't shut the fuck up, you have to face the consequences, right? Right. Sit down. I'm all right, thanks. I I, I said enough, you know, at the office. Information had to be extracted, right? You conspire against the system, that means you have information. Right. You listen to Radio Free Europe, that means you have bad taste in music. So, we had to show them the proper direction, right? Results. That was the only thing our superiors expected from us. What the country expected from us. And we did give them results, right? They call us torture officers now. But we were patriots, for fuck's sake. We still are. Damn right we are. You know, I still don't get the radio-free Europe thing. What about it? Remember those poor bastards who were caught listening to it? We pulled out half their teeth with pliers. So? Just didn't feel right. Do you think the punishment fit the crime? Well, you had to make sure they wouldn't listen to that Western propaganda again. Yeah, but they didn't listen to Radio Free Europe with their teeth, did they? (laughs) No, they probably didn't. That's what I'm saying. We should have cut their ears off. It would have made much more sense, you know? Maybe. Maybe. But hundreds of people walking around without any ears would have looked a bit peculiar, don't you think? While walking around toothless in Romania, who would notice? Hmm, yeah, yeah, you might be right. Ah, not again. What's going on? My upstairs neighbor, going through the usual routine. What's he doing? Kicking in the furniture or something? He kicks everything he can, his wife and daughter mostly. No reason. He's just mad when he's drunk. Ah! Pisses me off. You've grown sensitive, haven't you? I just don't like people kicking their wives around for no reason at all. You mean you never kicked your wife around while she was still alive? (laughs) Not while she was alive, no. What? I only kicked her around after that, only once. And even that one single kicking around was for a good reason. She didn't like your strawberry cake? Huh. Now, how did you know that? You mean you really kicked her around for that? How can a dead woman not like strawberry cake anyway? Why? How many dead women have you heard saying, Mmm, this strawberry cake tastes really good. Anyway, her last words were, I don't feel well. I think it's because of your cake. And that's something I couldn't accept as last words. That I can understand. You say they do this every day? Yep. Why does not she divorce him? I don't know. Their daughter is sick. I, I guess she can't afford to raise the girl by herself. And he beats his sick daughter, too? She's not sick-sick. She has this brain shit. I I don't know. Why did you come, Alex? I told you. I was curious about how you're getting on. How the hero lives. What hero? All the guys under your command. We all wanted to be like you. And the Cormos method? That was legendary. Do you still have that black box? What? You know, with the cutlery set. The one for extracting information. When you took out your black box, everyone started shitting themselves. And not only the suspects, us officers, too. Yeah. You, too, I don't wonder. Well, how do you mean? Well, what was your nickname again? Alex the Lionhearted, or... Oh, you know very well why they called me the Chicken. Ah, because you were a chicken. Because I didn't want to hit women suspects who resembled my mother-in-law. I was too young for that. I don't know what you're talking about. Nobody wants to hit women who resemble their mothers-in-law. There were plenty of officers who would have done it with pleasure, you know? But no, no, it was always me who was ordered to do it. I'd have never joined the Securitate if I had known that that job would include hitting women resembling mothers-in-law. Calm down. I never ordered you to do anything like that. Nor was I involved in any way in that activity. Weren't you? I had to hit the soles of their shoes with a crowbar until internal organs started, you know, shaking and moving about. See? You had to hit the soles of shoes, not women resembling anybody's mother-in-law. But the job had its good side, too. Uh... Uh, Remember that guy we beat with the sandbag? (laughs) The priest. Yeah, yeah, remember him? No. He was a priest. We beat him with this small sandbag, remember? No. Hello, sir. Uh, Not now, I'm I'm still... I'll call you back, yes, as soon as I can. To you too, sir. Huh. Uh, What were we talking about? Eating priests with sandbags. Right. Great subject. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not a single bruise on his skin, but there was blood seeping out of him everywhere. Mm. Man, that was fun. (laughs) You really miss those times, huh? You bet. I haven't tortured anybody for uh, 25 years. Have you? Oh, well, I once caught a mouse in the kitchen cupboard, but nothing serious, no. Uh, Speaking of mice, (laughs) remember the cat method? Uh, no. And I I didn't like it. Uh, putting a cat under the suspect's shirt and hitting it till it went crazy, clawing and biting and shit. What a great interrogation method. Sounds awful. Then why did you order me to use it? I never ordered you to do anything like that. Beating cats? (laughs) What am I, some sadistic animal? Poor cat. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, nothing beat the Kormosh method. You were the reason why the torture actually worked. Do you still have that black box? Why do you ask? No reason. Are you wired? <laughs> what? <Well>, um... <laughs> yeah. well, am I... Jeez well, how, how can you... How can you even... <sighs> I came here as a friend, and you... You hurt me, Dominic. Then why did you ask? Uh, Forget it, all right? (laughs) Forget that I asked. Oh, Jesus, am I wired. (sighs) I have no black box. I never did have. You never did have? No. I'm not wired, all right? Why would I be wired? I don't know. You can search me if you want. You you want to search me? Should I? Yeah, because you don't believe me. I believe you, Alex, but there was no black box. All right, no black box. One more drink. Hit me. (laughs) (laughs) Does that shithead know anything about me? Which shithead? That journalist, shithead, who investigates ex-securitate officers. I don't think so. Got eyes on him? Of course. Got men at the newspaper? Uh Uh-huh. Just like the old days. Then why did you let him do it? Let him do what? Get hold of Idrawu's files, writing articles about him. Then why did I let him do it? Th- then Stanica. Why did you give him up? He wasn't old. Who? Stanica. The one who beat that dissident asshole to death. The poet. You gave him up a few years ago. Oh, him. <laughs> well, he had cancer. He had cancer then. Now he's in prison. Well, I mean, who, who told him to recover? Uh. If, if you got cancer and you recover, you've you've got to face the consequences. So, if I were sick, you'd give me up too. Why are you sick? No. Then you've got nothing to worry about. Why did you come, Alex? I told you I, I was curious about how you live, and I have to say, I am surprised. Why? I mean, with your pension, you could buy a villa and live like a king in, I don't know, Egypt or somewhere? Egypt? I hate dry weather. (laughs) It's not that dry. Not that dry. If it was in Amsterdam, they'd roll it up and smoke it. No, thanks. I've got everything I need right here, and I'd never move abroad. I love this country. I know you do. Which makes me think, what if the country was in need of your service again? What services? I'm just thinking, if there was a state security issue, like someone with information that was, you know, impossible to extract... I'm sure you have your own methods for that. Maybe, but our hands are tied. Uh, There are lines that can't be crossed anymore. If you can't cross them, I can't cross them. Right. At least not officially. But you're right. Is this what you came for? You want me to extract information with methods that can't be used anymore? Now you're imagining things. I never said that. Forget it. All right? I'd never do those things again. You have regrets? Regrets. Balls. I regret nothing. What I did was part of my job, and my job was part of those times, but times have changed. Maybe. But you haven't. Exactly. I still only do things I believe in. What do you believe in? I don't know. I believed in my superiors. Take Chief Inspector Prada, a great man. I'd have done anything he asked me to. Anything. You know why? Because he made me believe that I was serving a greater purpose. That I was an efficient component of an engine and we were running in top gear. So I knew that whatever I did, I did for a reason. But today, just look around. I'd never lift a finger to help those assholes who call themselves the Government, no. There's no reason for anything they do. They're a disgrace to the country. So you can tell them to go fuck themselves. Oh, oh. so you hate the government, but you gladly accept the 6,000 lei you get from them every month. I refuse uh, that money. What? I get as much as anybody else. 800 a month, I refuse the special pension. You ref... Oh, but, but... Why? <sighs> Because I don't want special treatment from them. Sit down, won't you? I'm I'm, I'm all right, thanks. Yes, you've said enough at the office with your headphones on. Yeah, but, I mean, it's different now. We don't use bugs anymore. If we're interested in someone's phone conversations, we just take them. You know, from the the phone company. (laughs) Yeah, they let you. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) What if the suspect doesn't have a phone? Uh, everybody's got a phone. I don't. You didn't used to, but you've got one now. I won't use it. Not even for calling an ambulance. What ambulance? Well, let's say you have a heart problem, and I what? Well, I'm not saying you do have one. God forbid, because that would mean. Oh, well, you know, all I'm saying is that. It, If you did have a problem with your heart, or anything else for that matter, and you needed an ambulance, what would you do? I'd know what to do. Yeah, yeah, you always know what to do. That's why I like you. (laughs) Well, uh, whew, it's been very nice to see you, Dominic. I'll drop by again soon, if you don't mind. (laughs) Sneaky bastard. You forgot something?
1: Good afternoon, Mr. Domi. May I use your toilet? I hope you don't mind if I use your toilet.
3: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, what the hell do you think you're doing?
1: Mom told me that if I have to go to the toilet and there's no one home, I should ask a neighbor to use their toilet, so I asked you.
3: What do you mean, there's no one home? Your father's just been beating the shit out of... The door's
1: locked, they won't answer, and I can't get in. I don't
3: care. This is not a public toilet. Go bother someone else. This
1: is very uncomfortable for me, Mr. Domain, because I don't like to enter other people's houses. They smell different from ours, but peeing in my pants would make me much more uncomfortable, so I had to choose between two uncomfortable things, and I chose the one with the less effect on my clothes, and I'm willing to endure the bad smell of your apartment.
3: How considerate of you. Now, get lost. You can't use my toilet.
1: Yes, I can. We have a toilet at home, and I know how to use it.
3: But this is not a public toilet, so piss off.
1: Why do you keep telling me it's not a public toilet, Mr. Domi? I know very well it's not a public toilet. Did you use a metaphor? Uh,
3: No, I I didn't. Are you sure? (laughs) Yes, as far as my knowledge of literary devices go, there have been no metaphors used in this fucking conversation, okay? Only facts. And the fact is that it's my private toilet. It's my private home where I don't let anybody in.
1: That's not a fact. That's a lie. Uh, What? You let in that man with his ears.
3: What ears?
1: I saw a man walking out of here. He was talking on his mobile. Yes, I've got ears on him. That's what he said.
3: What else did he say?
1: May I use the toilet now, Mr. Domi? I'll tell you afterwards.
3: Yes, yes, go ahead. Ears on me, hmm? Let's see where your ears are. There you are.
1: What is that, Mister Domi? It. It's a bug. Are you going to kill it?
3: It's not that kind of bug, but yes, it's a. I'm going to pour a little brandy on it. Here. This.
1: Thank you for letting me use your toilet, Mister Domi.
3: Yeah.
1: Have a nice day, Mister Domi.
3: Hey, come, come back for a second. What, what are you? Come back here, kid. Come in, will you? Do you have a name? Yes. Would you mind sharing it with me?
1: What would you like me to share?
3: Your name, for God's sake. Lisa. Lisa. Lisa,
1: what
4: else
3: did that man with his ears say?
1: He said, just give him time. And then, I know, but trust me, he'll be...
3: He'll be... and then?
1: He went downstairs and I couldn't hear.
3: You couldn't hear, so (laughs) that's it? I guess. And you had the nerve to use my toilet for a piece of chicken shit information like that?
1: What do you mean, Mr. Domi? Uh, What do
3: I mean? I mean, what you gave me is far from toilet-worthy information. It isn't worth the contents of a toilet. You, You know why? Because it's not information at all. You used me.
1: I'm sorry? Get
3: the fuck out. I don't believe this.
1: Sorry, Mr. Domi. I left my school bag here. May I take it? Sure.
3: You can come and go whenever you want. You can take a nap on my couch. I'll I'll tell you what, you can even move in here if you'd like.
1: It's very nice of you to offer, Mr. Domi. I'm afraid I cannot accept, but thank you so much. What a nice dog! What? The photo on your wall. What a beautiful French bulldog! Yes, you like it? Yes. I like dogs very much, but Dad won't let me have one. I especially like French bulldogs. They are called French, but they actually originated in 19th century England. They are affectionate, playful, and very loyal. They are good mousers. But they cannot swim. And they can easily develop cherry eye and small dog syndrome. Oh, and they get on very well with strangers.
3: They do indeed.
1: They are also stubborn, but I don't mind stubbornness. They say I'm stubborn too. You don't say... They also have a funny way of showing guilt because they have big expressive eyes. Like you, Mr. Domi.
3: Alright, you can go now.
1: I never know when people are showing guilt, but with dogs it's different. They're very easy to read, much easier than humans. That's why I like dogs more. I also like them more because they're very grateful when you give them food. Yes,
3: they like strawberry cake more than some humans do.
1: And they're always happy to see you, not like humans. And if you talk to them, they won't call you a retard, not like humans. And if you're sad, they will cheer you up, not like humans. And if you love them, they will never hurt you.
3: Not like humans.
1: Yes. And if you're... All
3: right, all right, I get the picture.
1: Am I talking too much, Mr. Domi? Yes. I get that a lot. Hmm. But I know loads of people who talk much more than I do. Hmm. Football commentators on TV, for instance, they can talk continuously for two times 45 minutes plus stoppage time without saying anything interesting, and they shout goal, as if nobody else had noticed it was a goal. It's not nice taking credit for noticing a goal, which every fool notices because it's shown at least three times. Who is the name of your dog, Mr. Domi?
3: Tamara. I named her after a Russian ballerina.
1: Did that ballerina look like a French bulldog?
3: (laughs) No, God forbid. I... I think she looked more like uh, an Arabian greyhound. But I liked her
1: name. Tamara is a nice name. There's this dog who often comes to our schoolyard. I always give him half of my pack lunch because that's what friends do and he's my only friend. I call him Voldemort.
3: Voldemort? Why?
1: Because he looks like Ralph (laughs) Fiennes.
3: Then why don't you call him Ralph Fiennes?
1: Because I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Why don't you just call him
3: Ralph, then?
1: What's a Ralph? <laughs> what,
3: what do you mean, what's a Ralph? Ralph is Ralph Fiana's name.
1: Oh, uh, no. That's only half of his name. I think the dog would be offended. Would you like to be called by half of your name, Mr. Domi? You
3: already call me by half of my name, for God's sake.
1: I do? J- Ugh,
3: Jesus Christ, how old are you?
1: I'm 16.
3: All right. Kindergarten's closed. You need to go home.
1: What kindergarten? Just
3: go home. I've got to watch the news.
1: I understand. I also have things to do. I've got to go take a beating from my dad. Bye, Mr. Domi.
3: Wait! Why? Why does he beat you?
1: Because I'm a useless, stupid kid and I get on his nerves.
3: And you're okay with that, getting beaten? I deserve it. You deserve it?
1: Why? I don't know, but that's what Dad keeps telling me, and I believe him because he's my dad and I love him.
3: Do you like being beaten?
1: That's a silly thing to ask, Mr. Domi. Beating hurts, and nobody likes being hurt. That's why we develop different methods for avoiding pain, like distancing ourselves from reality and not accepting what is happening.
3: Are you sure you're 16?
1: Yes. Yes. Sometimes when bad things happen to me, I imagine I'm very far away, in Nepal. Why Nepal? It's peaceful, I think. There's a Hindu festival in Nepal called Tukur Tihar, when for a whole day people celebrate dogs, thanking them for being our friends. Yes. Did you know that Nepalese people believe dogs are messengers of the god of death?
3: No, I didn't know that.
1: They believe that when we die, it is our dogs who guide our souls through the afterlife.
2: Hmm.
1: Now, I don't think there is an afterlife because I can't imagine it. But if there is, I hope the Nepalese people are right. Bye, Mr. Domi.
3: Wait. You can hang around for a while if you like. Why? You can wait until your father sobers up a bit. You hungry?
1: No. I've really got to go.
3: Wait. I... (laughs) I used to be a dog trainer. Did you know that?
1: No. I didn't. What did you teach them?
3: I used to train police dogs. So I taught them to search for all kinds of things. Drugs, explosives, lost people.
1: Were they German shepherds?
3: Mostly. But I worked with Labradors and bloodhounds as well that... That was my first ever job, but it only lasted a few years when I officially joined the police force, quit training dogs, and began using my expertise on people. Do you like Labradors?
1: Of course. They're the most popular breed of dog. They're agile, well-balanced, intelligent, and almost as friendly as Golden Retrievers, which are the friendliest dogs on the planet. They are excellent service dogs with an extremely well developed sense of smell. They can even detect cancer that. Thank you, Mr. Domi, for wanting me to talk about dogs. But it's late, and I really need to go get my beating. Have a wonderful evening, Mr. Domi.
3: Come in, Alex! Uh, how'd you know it was me? <laughs> you told me three days ago that you'd be back, right? And your brainless madman knocking hasn't changed since. Why? How do, how do I knock? <laughs> like a brainless madman. <laughs> but you hungry? I brought us some food. I don't eat shit like that. Why not? Fast food companies. They're poisoning the population. <laughs> it's still safe. They told me the extermination of the population is only their plan for next year. (laughs) I'm not hungry. Thanks. Come on. (laughs) It's really good. In 78, General Pachepa fled the country because he wanted to eat stuff like this in the U.S. So what? He was a liar and a traitor. Are you a fan of General Pachepa? I would be. Probably. Had he done more political assassinations and less whining. <laughs> but he didn't have bad taste in food, you know? <clears throat> Spicy chicken wings are the best. Come on, try one. Oh. Not bad. See? Remember the big feasts we used to have after, you know, a successful operation on the terrace of that restaurant? Mm, Of course. All that meat. Mm. Jesus Christ. Mountains of it. Pork, duck, turkey, you name it. Kids on their way home from school used to stop and watch us eat. Remember? Yeah. They were hungry as hell. They'd never seen a grilled duck before in their lives. Yeah, that, then that poet would tell them... Which poet? I, oh, you know, the... the you know, that, that, that bearded guy, you know, who used to drop in from time to time writing heroic poems about us. Ah, Paonescu. Yeah, Adrian he, he He told the hungry kids, you want a drumstick, then bark like a dog for it. Mm. <laughs> oh, and they they barked and he threw them half chewed bones in their faces and they ran away crying like babies. Mm. Man, that was fun. True. There were two things Păunescu was unsurpassed at. Writing heroic poems and throwing bones in kids' faces. He also knew how to get drunk like there was no tomorrow. Well, you know, we all did actually. Except for Chief Inspector Prade, of course. Yes. He always stayed sober. Have you two been in touch since your retirement? Me and Prada? No. Well, he visited me once, but that's all. What'd you talk about? Same as you and me now. Old stuff. And he only came once. (laughs) You two used to be close. We used to be, yes. Everything I know about people I learned from him. He wasn't... Only my superior, he was like a father to me. Actually, my father was a prick, so Prada was more like a... a m- mother? No, my mother was also a mean bitch, so he was more like a... Like a... Was your brother an asshole? <laughs> well, yes. Tough, tough, man. Maybe like uh, a sister. Well, if sisters had mustaches. <laughs> my sister does. Really? Oh, she's yeah. not exactly a Turkish truck driver, but, you know, yeah, she does. Okay, then, so... Where where was I? (laughs) Not trying to compare Chief Inspector Prada to your jackass family members. Ah, yes. So, he wasn't like my... The point is that Chief Inspector Prada was a great man. You think so? Absolutely. He even arrested his own son and sent him to the... interrogation room. Because he caught him listening to Radio Free Europe. And, according to you... That's the measure of greatness. Arresting your own son. No. It's the principle I'm talking about. Even if you have to sacrifice those close to you, keep on fighting. But, Dominic, we tortured people. I wouldn't call that fighting. I would. We did what we did for the cause, and everything you do for a cause is fighting. What cause? We did what we did because we liked it. Except when it came to beating people who resembled my mother-in-law. They scared the shit out of me. But otherwise, it, it was a great job. It gave us power. It kept us safe and paid well, too. Don't, don't you agree? No. We defended the interests of the masses, and everything happened for the greater good. <laughs> oh, don't give me that. The ends justify the mean shit. Because the ends need to be justified, too. Ah! Uh... And no tribunal in this world, or even in the afterlife, can justify those ends we fought for. Uh, What are you talking about? About mass terror. About a North Korean-type dictatorship with a smiling, Uh, ugly couple as its leaders. Nothing justifies that. You think we fought for the Ceausescu's? No. No. I don't think we fought for anybody. We just hurt people. Why? Because that's what we are. This country, we beat our wives. We beat our children. We beat each other. It's in our bones. We like causing pain. The Ceausescu's just made it look more organized. So, you, you mean. It- ah, I mean, I know what I am. And you shouldn't lie to yourself either. Because you and me were the same. No, I'm not like you, Alex. Yeah. You just keep telling yourself that. Got any brandy? Sure. Aren't you on duty? Would I be drinking if I were? Let's see. If your duty was to talk me into something, then yes, you would. Why are you so suspicious of me? <laughs> Why am I suspicious? For a start, does the word bug mean anything to you? Bug? Bug? It's a nasty little fucker with hairy legs and no backbone. Like you, you mean. We're the same, Dominic. Don't forget that. No. We're not. And we didn't fight for an ugly couple. We fought for the future of this country. Jobs for everybody. Food on every table. No drugs. No suicide. No... A well-structured society where each and every person has their place. That was our job. To keep everybody in their place. But they fucked it all up with their so-called revolution. Now nobody knows where they belong. You know, that, uh, that journalist visited me. Who? That investigative journalist. He came by yesterday. Ouch. You needn't look so surprised. But I am. Really? <laughs> look, if I knew about it, may my hand dry up and fall off. Ah, Metaphorically, you know. So, what did you tell him? To suck my dick. Metaphorically, you know. How much does he know? My guess is not much. He's heard some rumors, probably from one of my old colleagues. God knows who that might be. I have nothing to do with that. Oh, He heard that I used to work for the secret police. I have no idea whether he knows about what exactly my job was. Anyway, the question is, if he finds out, can he prove anything? It depends, I guess. Yes. On you. No, it it depends on you. You mean if I accept your offer? I haven't offered you to do that job for you, then you might make my files top secret so the journalist won't be able to find anything. It's a possibility. (laughs) A possibility. Well, my answer is still no. Seriously? Even if. Yes. Even if my story goes public, I'm not ashamed of my past. You know why? Because I didn't do anything wrong. We were not criminals. We were heroes. Heroes? Yes. Well, I have to disappoint you. Uh, If your story gets out, no one will care about what you consider yourself to be. They'll despise you. Your face will be on the front page of every newspaper, and they will spit on it. Uh, oh, I thought the habit of spitting on the front page of newspapers ended when Ceausescu died. <laughs> They'll probably make an exception for you. I'm only trying to help you, Dominic. Mm. Your neighbors shouldn't find out who you are, should they? You could get rid of that journalist, preserve your privacy, and live happily. Happily ever after, that's what you want, right? Yes, but not at any cost. You did this your whole life. Asked a simple question and got a simple answer. (laughs) What's the big deal? I've told you already, I never do things I don't believe in. A monster with principles. The worst breed of human. I just don't get you, Dominic. You were always concerned about state security, and now you you don't care at all? I do. But the government is leading the country in the wrong direction. The whole system is wrong. So I don't trust their appraisal of what is a state security issue and what isn't. What's a threat to them is probably good for the country. Jesus, you sound like... like who? Look, trust... My judgment, then. I'm telling you, this is a serious state security issue. I trust your judgment even less than theirs. Why? Wasn't it you who brought that pregnant woman in for interrogation because you thought she'd been performing illegal abortions? Is it written down anywhere that pregnant women can't perform illegal abortions? And as you well know, she confessed. Yes, she also confessed that she was Lieutenant Kojak in a wig after three days of being tortured. Of course she confessed! Get off your high horse, all right? It was me who had to beat the soles of her shoes with a crowbar, not you. You just gave me the order to do it. You didn't even look at her. It was easy for you anyway. She didn't look like your mother-in-law. She looked exactly like mine, only much younger and more pregnant. Do you have to throw your bloody mother-in-law into every conversation? Well, it's better than throwing her off a cliff, isn't it? What the hell are you talking about? My mother-in-law fell off that cliff all by herself. I wasn't even there. Oh, yeah? Maybe that journalist will tell a different story. What? Unless you do what you have to do. So he's not even a real journalist. <laughs> of course he is. He has a degree. Mm-hmm. Look, look, I'm sorry I said that. For some reason, I always get mad, you know, when it comes to my mother-in-law. Oh, sorry. He's one of your men, right? Right. You use them for what? Pressure? Revenge? What else? No, no, no. You, you misunderstand. Get ra- out, you fucking chicken. What? Look, I'm really uh, sorry. Don't I, you I, fucking dare come back. Look, if you change your mind before Monday. My number's on that phone I gave you the other day.
0: Thanks for listening to the inaugural episode of Play for Voices. The character of Dominic is played by Paul Valley, Alex by Rob Neal, and Lisa by Jocelyn Kuritsky, under Sarah Cameron Sunda's direction. Madeline McCormick provided screens. Play for Voices is produced by Matt Fiddler, Ann Poston, Katrin Redfern, and Jen Zobel. Audio engineering for this production was provided by Kevin Ramsey. Play for Voices producer Jen Zobel had a chance to meet playwright Csaba Seke during a short stay in Romania last summer. Over lunch at a restaurant in the town of Bran, in Seke's home region of Transylvania, they discussed his social and aesthetic concerns, his literary influences, and the historical source material for I Regret Nothing. Seke mainly writes in his native language of Hungarian, but he has written occasionally in English, since creating his first radio play in 2009 for a BBC competition it ultimately won. Zobel asked him about writing I Regret Nothing in English. So when
4: you're in the process of developing the work, in this case with I Regret Nothing, you have these three characters. When you started to hear their voices and and sort of have them occupy your mind, were you hearing them in English or were you hearing them in Hungarian and then kind of mentally translating them? Or how did you sort of develop their voices
2: in English? Uh, It's an interesting question because after I finished the play in English, I read... Uh, written it in Hungarian uh, and and they were uh, uh, different uh, and, and I I felt that in Hungarian it, it's not working the same as it was in English because of uh, because of this voice you you, you just told me about it. yes when I when I was writing it in English I heard the voice speaking in English And then I tried to translate it in Hungarian, and it it, it just wasn't the same. So I had to choose a different person, a different uh, imaginary friend to talk in my head.
4: (laughs) Whom do you consider to be your own artistic influences? With whom do you see yourself in conversation?
2: Mm. I don't know if we conversate uh, every day, but I... uh, Chekhov, Anton Chekhov was a huge influence. When I started to write plays, it was uh, then that I I somehow discovered him. Of course, I've seen plays uh, written by him, and I've read plays written by him. But I didn't really like him before, and, and it was then when I understood how... Um, how carefully he handles uh, the human heart. If his characters are, uh, are on the way to committing suicide, but something holds them holds them back, their heart, and if, if something good happens to that heart, then the character won't commit suicide, and if something bad happens, then he will, or she will. And in many, many cases, um, they just don't know what to do with their lives. It's very much like, like everyday life here. So I liked him very much. And the other influence was the Irish-English Martin McDonagh. Because I, when I started writing plays for the theatre, I chose my themes from, from the rural areas. I wrote plays about uh, small Hungarian communities in, in small isolated villages, how alcoholism influences their lives, how nationalism or the lack of uh, jobs, uh, influences their lives. And I wanted to talk about this with uh, somehow e- easy manner to... I didn't want the whole play from the beginning t- to the end to be tragic. I wanted to to be tragicomical. And I, I found Martin McDonald's writing style um, very good for this this kind of in- intention I had. And of course Transylvanian everyday life was the third biggest influence.
4: How does your identity or experience as a member of Romania's Hungarian community impact your work? You've already spoken about the fact that you tend to write about the lives of everyday people, specifically in Transylvania, where there's a concentrated community, but are there any other ways that you consider that part of your experience and that part of your personal history to have an impact on your work as a writer and what interests you as a writer?
2: Yes, um it's... when I grew up, I grew up in a very hostile uh, environment. It was still communism, it was a, it was a nationalistic, even fascist um, government. They hated everything that wasn't Romanian, so they hated us. And uh, it, there were many conflicts between Romanians and Hungarians. And uh, that situation is, is so, of course, it's changing slowly for the better... But at that time, there were many conflicts of this kind, which gave me uh, probably a better sense of what might look like to be a Jew in the 40s or be a black person in the US in the 50s or a gay person in a very conservative uh, society. So it gave me a way of understanding people who are... oppressed or outside.
0: We'll hear more from Cebo at the end of our second episode, featuring the second half of I Regret Nothing. We'll also hear from Cristina Vatulescu, a literature scholar who's written about the Romanian secret police. We hope you'll join us. More information about Play for Voices, including how to support our project, can be found at playforvoices.com.